Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating, equipping, and encouraging the individual and local church and counseling and discipleship. Hello, hello, hello. We are back. Biggity, biggity back. Had to do it. Shauna, what are you up to over there on your on your phone? You multitasking right now? Is Man, that what you're you're already calling me out. You actually scared me there. I was engrossed in this text. Like I, like I caught you as a teacher in class. Yeah, Passing notes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We start like doing video. I'm really going to be called out, right? Yeah, sorry. I just totally hit the table and messed up your mic. Yeah, I quit messing around. All right. How are we doing today? Good. Good, good. Jeremy, how are you? Doing great. Great, great. Well, for our listener, man, I keep hitting the table. This is bad. I need to get situated here. Do you like that we're on a round table now? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, So we are going to be getting into somewhat of a little mini series that we wanted to uh, just before we get into the conference, uh, we wanted to spend this time to then uh, getting into uh, just really what is uh, the diagnosis of for our, our really our our clients who have been uh, to licensed professional counselors, they've been inundated with the world of uh, being given some sort of diagnosis of uh, mental disorder or ADHD or just those common ones that we we all are familiar with. As a matter of fact, I've even heard here recently like our, uh, like Gen Z and some millennials using PTSD Mm -hmm. uh, just kind of flippantly like, because they were late to something that they were going to, that they were going to have. Is that your phone? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm not sure I understand. Siri is. That's literally not my phone. I don't know. It's got to be yours. I don't know. <laughs> Do we? <laughs> Where's your phone at? It's in my pocket. Well, pull, I get have it not. Out. Get it out. Really I have quick. not summoned Siri. Get she out, is get quiet. Get your phone out of your pocket. Is it me? Nope. Siri is not active. That is really weird. Siri, I'm telling you, Siri is creepy. It's like if there's any anything remotely close to the sound of Siri, it's like it activates her and she just, I don't understand. I know, but which which device in this room was talking? It's a mystery. <laughs> you know what? That's in the DSM. That's right. Uh, what do you think they would call that, Jeremy? I, I okay, I'm paranoid. Paranoid. <laughs> well, we're all paranoid. Gaslighting has started. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's okay. Anyway, back to what you were saying. Siri I, interrupted. Just Siri me, totally jacked my train of thought. I don't remember. No, DSM, um, basically, we live in a world of psychologized people, in other words. You were uh, talking about uh, students. You, yep. You were talking about students who used the PTSD. Yeah, flippantly. What were yes. you saying there? Yeah, thank you, Jeremy. Um, dang it, Siri. Uh, no, uh, just kids, just they hear it now. And what it tells me is that it's so much in the culture where now PTSD has been watered down and, and mm-hmm. loses the yeah. reality of it yeah. to where now um, it, it just becomes kind of like, you know, I have PTSD because I didn't get my cheeseburger on time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's literally kind of used that that way flippantly. trivially. Flipp- yeah. Flippantly. Right. It's, it's being used very trivially for sure. If I could say it like or that. Flippantly. Flippantly, trivially, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so, yeah. So, we wanted to, uh, you know, for those of you who, you know, maybe have kids or have gone to counseling and have heard these terms, but still don't really know their source and where they come from. Uh, we wanted to at least um, in, in this initial uh, podcast introduce uh, just the disclaimer around this and um, uh, in, in the remainder part of the podcast, just get into what is the DSM, which is actually where all of these terms come from and these diagnoses and symptoms and all these other things, which Jeremy will school us on uh, here shortly. Um, but what we wanted to do giving that disclosure. Um, so we'll introduce this and then our, um, 
our next podcast, we'll go through uh, just some of the more common diagnoses that uh, that we hear on a regular basis. Uh, so any initial thoughts on this, Jeremy, before we jump into the disclaimer? So I think this is a great topic to share with uh, especially pastors and laity, because sometimes they feel since they have not been trained in psychology, they've never really seen it, the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders. Version five is what we're on now. Yeah. Um, that somehow they are um, less equipped to help people who might cite that label. So if a pastor has someone that comes in and says, hey, I've been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, uh, the pastor might feel intimidated by that label. And so I think this is just a good topic to encourage pastors, laity, as well as any biblical counselor, that scripture is very relevant to these words that we don't find in scripture, such as bipolar. I also want to say that this is not an anti-psychiatry podcast. Uh, In other words, we're not railing against medicine. Uh, We're not a group that opposes certain medications if needed, for sure. But at the same time, we don't, we want to be critical in our thinking. We want to uh, maybe even get a better grasp of even the history of the DSM, which is a very interesting one. No, that's good. That's good. Shauna, any uh, initial thoughts? Mm -mm. No. Okay. So as far as the important disclosure is concerned, um, just understanding Again, like Jeremy talked about, this isn't um, a podcast where we're going to be railing or being antithetical in our commentary and rhetoric towards that world. This is simply uh, a series, so to speak, an introduction to a a mini series on how we can actually engage with these things and have an understanding, like in Jeremy's example, using a pastor at the lay level, for example, where they've been diagnosed with something and it's overwhelming because they don't understand it. It's Mm -hmm. first, they don't understand the term. They may go online and get a little bit of a gauge on what it is, but they can't go to the source. Like if, for example, the way that we use the Bible, right? The way that we use the Bible and if we're talking about sin or we're having a conversation with somebody, the the Bible is the source in which we go to, uh, to engage with and then subsequently provide a response. Well, likewise, and with the DSM and in this disclaimer is understanding that the culture looks at things a little differently. And so we're called, the gospel calls us to engage with the culture and we need to engage with the the culture in this too. This isn't something that we need to be intimidated by because we don't understand the terminology mm-hmm. in the thought process. Mm-hmm. So that's really kind of the, the disclaimer um, and understanding the culture of it. And uh, again, this all has to do with using the vernacular, the terminology and all those things. So that's really what we wanted to introduce on that. But um, we're going to draw some parallels and just kind of the distinctions between like a biblical, uh, you know, culture of understanding uh, struggle and, and, and difficulty. And then the way that the DSM handles that too. So there's a cultural reality to this um, and just understanding some of the terminology. So uh, Jeremy, you want to, you want to give us some thoughts on just the the cultural lingo um, that it's not really validation. It's just the, you know, understanding the cultural piece of it. Yes. So another, another part of this, in addition to counselors not feeling intimidated by labels, it, I do think there's value in being familiar with these labels. Yeah. Uh, we need to know when someone comes in and, and cites borderline personality disorder, what does that mean? Because there has, you know, most of these labels, there has been a lot of research on what these things are. Right. And that there's been scholars that have, um, done studies to 
test for anxiety and test for bipolar and test for major depressive disorder. Uh, so it's helpful to at least cite uh, or or be familiar with that kind of literature so that when the, because typically when someone comes in with a label, they're probably an expert in that label and they probably have their own presuppositions based on a psychiatric perspective. Yeah on why they have major depressive disorder or why they have bipolar disorder or paranoid personality disorder, whatever it might be. Typically, a person who walks in is going to be very well versed in the lingo of psychiatry. Um, Unfortunately, as well, uh, I love this phrase that uh, was coined by Dr. David Pallison years and years ago. Typically, when someone walks in with a diagnosis, they are living what he would have called uh, diagnostic damnation. In other words, that label has now become their identity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be very knowledgeable and careful in how we converse and interact with such a person. In saying that, like, would you even give attention to it? You know, like how much would you actually talk about it and refer to it, like reference it? So I, as a counselor, you know, if someone comes into me citing a diagnosis, I always want to know where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. So I will ask them, tell me why you're diagnosed with that. What are the typical manifestations or symptoms that are associated with your diagnosis? What do you think is the ultimate cause of what's going on? How relevant do you think the spiritual is in the struggle that you're having? So I'm not going to focus on the, the diagnosis, but I do want to unpack with them mm-hmm. their worldview of what's going on with them mentally and emotionally. Would it would it matter how long ago they got diagnosed? Like, would we want to know specifics of saying if this is recent versus years ago? Would that yeah. make a difference in the pro- counseling process? Um, I don't know if it would make a huge difference in the counseling process, but that mm-hmm. kind of historical information, I think, is always helpful to us. Mm-hmm. It knows like how point. long maybe they've been living with it. Yes. You know, because they could have developed more coping skills skills or certain things based off of I've been, I've had this for five years versus recent. Yes. Yeah. So I had, I have a friend, um, and when he was in, uh, junior high, uh, he had to, and now he's in his mid seventies, but when he was in junior high, he went to a psychiatrist and they diagnosed him with a major depressive disorder. They put him on an antidepressant and told him that he would have to be on that antidepressant for the rest of his life because he had a, a disease in his brain. I met him when he was in his late 50s and we just started talking biblical counseling stuff and he began to recognize that there might be more going on with his depression than just some sort of chemical uh, imbalance, which is what he was told. So he decided himself to begin to apply some things that we were talking about and uh, he got off of his medication. I did not tell him to do that. I didn't recommend that, didn't even infer that that would be a good idea, but he decided he wanted to do that. And for the last 20 plus years, he has not been on an antidepressant and he's been able to navigate navigate his emotional life in a way of where he's doing very well. Mm-hmm. And so for him, you know, knowing that he was diagnosed at the age of whatever, you know, junior high, mm-hmm. uh, and he's lived all these years with the assumption he has a disease and he has to take that medication. I think that's a good conversation to have with someone. And if a person is ever wanting to, to get off their medication, always, always, always refer them back to their psychiatrist, refer them back to their physician yeah, that's very important. to do something like that because we're not doctors. Yeah. Uh, we're physicians of the soul and that's where we need to to hone our skills and our our wisdom. But if a person's wanting to do that, they need to have that conversation with a doctor. 
Yeah, we have a tandem approach. We do things in tandem with whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're currently on something, they they could they continue that. But at, at the same time, our focus is spiritual always. Yes. Yeah. Uh, somebody could if somebody just takes themselves off cold turkey of an antidepressant, that could create some major problems mm-hmm. for them, including seizures and things like that. So mm-hmm. it's a very serious thing. Yeah. I think when I think about just the unpacking piece of of this, you know, it makes me think of you know, say PTSD and all the different layers of it. You know, it could happen in all these different ways where you have your war veteran, but then you also have those who maybe just recently lost a baby, right? So it's like all these different layers, all these different facets and ways that it can impact you. I think as a counselor, that is where it becomes really difficult of as you're unpacking it, realizing like, how do you speak into it? Mm-hmm. And then where do you get the training to really help those out? If, if Especially if you haven't personally walked through something similar. And I, well, I think this honestly is where our conference comes in as a major help to biblical counselors. Mm-hmm. And this is where our conference stands out as something very different than other. Bless you. <coughs> Thank you. Excuse me. There was no way to avoid that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> our conference. This helped. is where our conference stands out as being very unique among all biblical counseling conferences because we actually offer an eight hour training by people, for instance, who are very well versed mm-hmm. in the literature on post-traumatic stress disorder, mm-hmm. but they're going to help our counselors uh, transpose that information in such a way that it fits into a biblical worldview. And so when we get into these big labels, um, we do we do need to understand What's, what's the literature saying? Uh, but we, we don't want to just stop there because the literature is not coming from a worldview where there is a God who is very active and intervening in people's lives. Mm-hmm. The DSM, you know, we all come to a counseling situation with a worldview, with a lens. We call that in counseling our conceptual lens. Everyone has one. Mm-hmm. Um, in the old days, If you were learning to be a counselor, you probably had to choose a particular model that you were going to counsel from. Matter of fact, the University of North Texas still does this today. You enter their master's program. You have to pick a model of counseling and everything you do throughout your graduate degree uh, program has to be done through that particular lens. And the professors explain we have them become experts in something like Rogerian psychology or Adlerian psychology or family systems uh, theory, because when you get in a counseling situation, Uh, it can become very chaotic and there can be a lot of different things going on and it can get confusing and they just train their students when you get in a place like that, you ask one simple question, what does my theory say? Mm -hmm. So my theory informs my methodology. My theory informs my conceptual understanding of what's wrong and what needs to happen to make things right. Hmm. Okay. That's good. So the the, the psychiatric world is simply another lens. We would call that lens the medical model. It is the dominating force in mental health for sure. Psychiatry is at the top uh, in the pecking order. It's at the very top. And so uh, many years ago, the psychiatrist uh, needed a way to categorize specific mental health disorders. So they Mm -hmm. started the first DSM, which was a very small booklet, very small. And the way that they decided to add particular labels into the the first DSM is they got a group of uh, expert psychiatrists in a room. They said, who thinks homosexuality should be in the DSM-4? If it got enough hands raised, then that went into the DSM-4 as a medical diagnosis. Mm. And uh, many people don't understand that um, homosexuality was in the first DSM. And then for uh, it was a very political movement that got it removed. And that's 
that's the squishiness of the DSM. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. how much is, how much is, and I, I've got to say that as each version has come out, science is more and more and more a part of why certain things are in the DSM, but it's still an interesting dynamic that uh, something yeah. can be a, a, a disorder one uh, decade and another decade, it's no longer a disorder mm. uh, without a whole lot of scientific verification. So the DSM, we just want to recognize that it is, I would call it the Bible of psychiatry. Yeah, It's what they use to uh, conceptualize what is going on with a person who is struggling with a mental or an emotional disorder mm-hmm. or a mental or emotional struggle. Yeah, no, that's good. And uh, I just, I want to uh, read this kind of definition here and this is from one of uh, ABC's um, helps that they have uh, as a member um, have access to this material but um, in this uh, particular uh, piece it's what is the DSM-4 like Jeremy said DSM-5 is out now Uh, at the time that this was written DSM-4 was in distribution so uh, just something I wanted to read here really quick just to kind of encapsulate what Jeremy's saying here is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders is really what the DSM is. So yeah, that, that's good, Jeremy. That is that is really good. Um, so in closing up, just kind of the idea of the but DSM. do you have a definition of the DSM? <laughs> yeah. The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders is a manual composed by various professionals and published by the American Psychiatric Association. What does it contain? <laughs> It contains what is called mental health diagnosis and criteria, according to the task force that compiled it. The highest priority in developing the DSM was to provide a helpful guide to clinical practice, as well as facilitating utility among practitioners by striving for brevity of criteria sets, clarity of language, and explicit statements of of the constructs embodied in the diagnostic criteria. Those are a lot of big words. You you would have done better than me. Now here, here's something that that's very interesting also that is was actually in the DSM-4. Um, uh, the professionals that put it together do uh, concede to this idea. Quote, there is no assumption that each category of a mental disorder is a completely discrete entity with absolute boundaries dividing it from another mental disorder or from no mental disorder. Mm. So they're even making the um, concession that, hey, we've got these categories, but we're not saying that they're not related or, you know, there's not a hard dividing line between each. And so that, that creates uh, one of the the struggles in, in uh, the DSM. And when the DSM five came out, um, it is very, very different than the DSM four, the way it's set up, the way you do your diagnoses. And um, there was a lot of controversy centered around it because many of like, for instance, experts on autism were left out of the task force of making decisions on what to put in to the DSM-5 that constitutes uh, a diagnosis of autism or the spectrum or um, uh, Asperger's disease. I I think actually Asperger's is not even in the DSM-5. But the main thing that I want listeners to understand is all of these big words are why people in ministry get intimidated. Yeah, Uh, It's why they back away because there's a lot of technical lingo. Uh, Even just the labels themselves, post-traumatic stress disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, major depressive disorder. And so we want to 
make sure that people, when they hear those words, you know, do, I would encourage due diligence in learning yeah. about what those are. You don't have to become an expert, just kind of gain a familiar, familiarity with it. But at the same time, we are not as biblical counselors counseling bipolar disorder. Yeah. And that's what we'll talk about when we begin to unpack these things is we're not counseling bipolar disorder and we're not counseling obsessive compulsive disorder. Our aim, uh, according to the scripture is the heart. Yeah. And so it's a very different paradigm and worldview that we're coming from. Yeah, no, that's good. And so really, really in closing on, on this kind of introduction to this, this series that we're going to be going through and understanding what is the DSM and, uh, again, the background of it, uh, as Jeremy mentioned, it, it has a worldview. And I, I've said this, you know, even with, uh, my own counselees, uh, who have come in psychologized and they have these, these positions and they come in, you know, slapping that identity already. Like even before the time begins, it's like they're putting their identity on the table before we even begin. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, just understanding that the DSM and it really the science of it in terms of observation, making observation and trying to be as objective as possible. And I think that's the difficulty and kind of even what you were mentioning a moment ago, Jeremy, where you're taking something that is immaterial in nature. Yes. So it's really subjective and you're trying to objectify something and be objective in something that by nature is subjective because it's, I mean, the way that we use and deduce the scientific method, it's, it's, it's a different process. Like you can't, you can't weigh it. You can't put it in the freezer. Like it's in material and we try to put these things on it. And so, um, again, I will concede to just the practice of this. I think that they've done an amazing job with observations. It's just their interpretation, which falls back on worldview. Um, the way that they actually really interpret all of these, uh, disorders or diseases or whatever they want to call them. The reason why they call those, those things is because of their worldview. That's right. That that's why they conclude with those diagnoses is because of their worldview. That's, that's correct. It's the interpretation. And so we just want, we want biblical counselors and obviously just, um, lay leaders in the church and just the church in general to understand when our kids um, are going through some things and we take them to licensed professional counselors. Again, Jeremy's an LPC. And so we're not against that, but we need to understand the worldview in which they're coming from and learn to engage with it. We don't necessarily promote it, obviously, but we want to understand it. And that's really the heart, which is why we wanted to kind of provide a disclaimer in this conversation about it and then provide the basis for it, which is the DSM. And so with that, we will wrap up. Thank you for listening. We want to encourage you guys to please go and check us out on our website at speakthetruth.org. You can also go to calltocouncil.com to check out some stuff and register for the event.